Hello, this is Mike Wheeler. Welcome back to One Step Ahead, the podcast I'm happy to do once again with Kim Leary, who's sitting across the table from me. Hi, Kim. Good afternoon, Mike. What are you up to this weekend? Well, I'm looking forward. Here it is Friday, and um, I'm going to meet up my old alma mater, Amherst College, where you went too, as I, I recall, Kim. I did indeed. We're both graduates of Amherst. So it'll be nice to see some classmates, but the big deal is that um, our daughter, Candace, and my uh, daughter, Callie, who went there more recently than either you or I, is going to come down with her kids, Angus, who's five, Isabel, who's three. They've never been on a college campus. Um, I happen to know there's a great modern art exhibit going there. Angus will be wowed by the skeleton of the mammoth there. And I'm sure they'll be interested in a football game for about six minutes. But we're going to have we're going to have a good time. Sounds like a wonderful fall weekend. Now you get back because you're a trustee of the institution, and I think it's lucky Amherst that they ha- have you. It's a pleasure to serve the college, and uh, w- there's a lot going on there. I think you'll have a wonderful weekend. But that's tomorrow. Uh, right now, today, I'm pleased to say that we've been able to entice Mike Yeomans to come. Over, he is one of several authors of, um, I'd say, a provocative and kind of, for those of us in the negotiation field, kind of an unsettling article that he wrote for the Harvard Business Review with Martha Zhang and Julia Minson um, and Frangino, Francesca Gino as well. And Mike is going to be here and talk to us about this. This finding that, at least in certain situations, being nice sometimes can be costly. And that kind of upsets the apple cart for many of us who think that being relational is the way to go to establish rapport with a negotiation. Well, I'm, my seat bu- uh, belt is buckled on here, you know. <laughs> Let's get Mike in here and we'll find out what he and his colleagues discovered. Mike is doing his postdoc work here at the Harvard Business School. And he and some of his co-authors shook me to the core with a recent Harvard Business Review article, basically that says, you pay a price for being nice in negotiation. Now, Mike, one, welcome, and two, have I mischaracterized what your research discovered? Uh, Hi, Mike, it's nice to be here. Hi, Kim. Uh, And no, you got it absolutely right. So, So what did you look at to come to that, frankly, very upsetting conclusion, And, and to the extent Obviously, you know, you've looked at this carefully. I wonder how we can deal with the problem, but if you can lay out the problem first, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm not so sure it's a problem, so, but let me tell you a, bit, a little bit about what we did. So uh, we all know there's different kinds of negotiations out in the world, uh, and the kind of negotiation we studied was a distributive negotiation. Distributive uh, meaning? Distributive means you're arguing over one issue. For example, haggling over a price. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of markets that have a lot of distributive negotiations in them. Uh, for example, have you ever uh, been on Craigslist before? Yes. Oh, yeah? What did you get? <laughs> I've been on the other side of that transaction. I actually sold a car by eBay when it turned out that the dealer wouldn't give me much on a trade-in. And the fun of that was watching the sniping going on at the end. At the, in the last 30 seconds, what went from an awful price went to a pretty good one. So I don't know, Kim, whether you've bought on eBay or you just say, no, you don't uh, dally in that pasture. No, I've been on eBay myself, but I have been the buyer on eBay. Oh, wow. What'd you get? 
I actually bought a piece of luggage that I was looking for everywhere in stores, but it had gone out of fashion, I guess, and it was still available on eBay. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, I'd love to see it sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I you know I got some furniture on Craigslist myself when I moved here to Boston. People buy and sell all the time, and in those markets, it's not really clear what the price is. So there's a lot of room for uh, normal everyday folk to engage in some distributive negotiations in their own life. And so we studied how people bargain in these spaces when they're not sure what the value is of the when they're and then when they're trying to get a good deal when they're trying you know, to get a good deal. Yeah, distributed in the sense of there's value here and who is it going to get distributed to? And so there's a couple tools that we know from a long literature on distributive negotiations that uh, already give us some clues about how to bargain effectively. So, for example, making the first offer is almost always a good idea, setting the frame for the rest of the conversation. So that helps with the price. But a lot of the times we think about uh, the other things we tell uh, folk we think of that as cheap talk. We think of sort of how the style of how we communicate. Uh, we think about other sort of niceties that we might bring to the interaction are not really going to affect the bottom line. Uh, and our paper shows that actually they do. So you're not tapping phones, I hope. Um, <laughs> how do you know how these negotiations are going? That's a great question. So we study uh, negotiation in a variety of contexts. So uh, the simplest way is to bring people in the lab. Uh, and we give them uh, negotiation exercises uh, that are identical to the ones that we give MBAs uh, in uh, colleges like HBS all the time. So uh, we have them uh, talk about a case that we teach in classes at Harvard Business School all the time. Uh, in this case, it was the Sugar Bowl case, where they're arguing over the price of an antique that they're selling to one another. And the nice thing about that situation is we can tell one of them before the negotiation to enact a strategy that we think might work. Uh, so we'll have them all give the same economic conditions, the same items, the same values, but we're going to tell one of them to be warm and friendly, and we're going to tell the other one to be tough and firm, and then we're going to sit back and see which one gets a better deal. Now, do you mean uh, warm and friendly on the price, or do you mean something more than that? Warm and friendly on the style. That's okay. a great question. Uh, we're going to make the same offer, but either add a lot of niceties to it, some politeness, some gratitude, some positive emotion, a, a bunch of strategies that people have studied in all kinds of different contexts that often help lubricate social interactions. So you might think it uh, would help the interaction. You know, you think this person's really nice, they're worth cutting a deal, uh, and actually we found the exact opposite, hmm. that the, if you're tough and firm about your offer and didn't add these social graces to how you bargained, then you were going to get a much better deal. And what is much better, just in a percentage way? On, I'm sure that there were some people who were nice and polite and got good deals, and there were some people who might have been nasty and not so good. But you're talking about the medians um, of those two groups. Mm -hmm. So how much better, I don't want to hear the answer, how much <laughs> better did the nasty people do? Um, well, in the lab, they were fighting over uh, a, pot, a pot about $10. So they, they earned about two bucks more. And then we were concerned about how this would affect markets with real stakes, much bigger implications. So we moved to Craigslist. And Craigslist is an example where people are haggling over prices all the time. We created a fake account on Craigslist to send offers to people selling phones on Craigslist. 
and to figure out using the different communication styles we discovered which of these messages would get better deals online. So this was over text uh, or email messages that people exchanged. Exactly. So it could be anonymous and they wouldn't know who we are. And don't worry, we got all the proper ethical approval for this field experiment. But help me out because I'm not sure I'm, I'm there. You are treating the people who are the unwitting subjects, mm -hmm. um, they are the buyers in this case. Is that correct? They're the sellers. They're the sellers. So we pretended to be a seller. We came up with a great name, uh, Riley Johnson. Okay. And for two months, could be anyone, right? Yeah. It's the most gender-neutral name in America, which is why we picked it. Um, and so for two months, Riley would look at the Craigslist listings in the 15 of America's largest cities. And anytime somebody posted an iPhone for sale, we sent them an offer. And we randomized whether we would use a warm and friendly communication style or a tough and firm communication style, just like the lab. Mm -hmm. And is warm and friendly the same to everybody, or do people have different ideas about what warm and friendly is? In general, people agree when they see a text, whether it's going to be warm and friendly or tough and firm, if you compare a bunch of messages in the same domain. Uh, what's interesting about being warm and friendly, though, is it's not a matter of one simple trick. Uh, or one simple cue that you can use to signal it. In fact, every sentence we uh, say to somebody else has an opportunity to be either a little bit warmer or a little bit tougher. And so it's the accumulation of all these choices that gives people an impression of who we are. So when you're making that distinction, excuse me, Kim, I'm just curious, and you're distinguishing degrees of warmth or unfriendliness, mm -hmm. are you doing that or is a, is a machine doing that? It would be tough for us to go through and, and figure out all the scores. So we uh, use a machine learning algorithm to process the text. We understand the structure and the style of how people talk to each other. And we can teach the algorithm to evaluate the messages the same way that other humans do. And that, that's central to your work, right? You're interested in conversation mm -hmm. and what makes it work or go off the rails. Absolutely. And to help people make better choices in conversation, we need to understand uh, what those choices are, what are people saying to each other, and uh, what are the choices they could have made that might have led to a better outcome. Yeah, I understand that making better choices, <laughs> be flat out, you're teaching people to be nasty or what, what's, what's your defense <laughs> on this? Uh, we're, we're teaching people to be tough and firm. We're teaching people to make their offer and not give uh, the social space for people to feel like they can aggressively counter offer with you. Uh, we're not recommending anything you know personally insulting or you know uh, hate-filled attacks or there's certainly you can certainly take it too far. Tough and firm is different from being cold and nasty. Yes, yes. absolutely. So tough and firm is a combination of two things. For one thing, for one thing, it's a matter of not using all the warm and friendly cues. So not being grateful, not apologizing or softening with hedges. But there's also some cues that make you more tough and firm. So contradicting people, using negations is a good cue. Also bare commands, so telling people what to do. So uh, give me that rather than softening it by saying, uh, could you give me that or you should give me that. 
Um, that's, that's, that's tough and unfriendly, I would mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. That would qualify for it. Funny that you should be talking about iPhones because I've got one that is uh, bedeviled at this point, and I probably will buy a used one of this. So if I hear you correctly, I may not like myself much, but if I want to get a price, instead of saying, I'm sorry, that's the best I can do, you want me to say, that's the best I can do. Absolutely. And as nice as that phone is, you don't need to compliment it. They're ready to sell it to you anyway. And uh, our research suggests that over a thousand conversations on the average iPhone, we saved about 40 bucks off the price simply by modifying the style of the message we sent. So, so I'm curious uh, on this, to the extent that people are reacting to the absence of friendliness, what do you think is going on in their heads that leads them to offer you a better price? We would have loved to follow up and ask them that. We have a couple of thoughts from a a few different sources of data that gives us a sense that there's a reason people don't uh, be as warm and friendly with each other in these kind of markets. Uh, We think that it's a matter of signaling experience. And so we studied people's beliefs about the effectiveness of these techniques. We showed people different messages and asked them, which do you think would get a better counteroffer in a couple of different settings? And overall, we found a strong bias in general among people uh, that they thought that the warm and friendly messages would work better. So they had a what we call a broken mental model. They didn't understand the consequences of their choices. But we found a group of people who didn't have this broken mental model, uh, who actually realized that the warm and friendly strategies were not going to be effective. And that was people who had already spent a lot of time buying and selling on Craigslist. So if you have experience in the marketplace, you learn a set of norms to make a transaction cost efficient that people who are new to the marketplace don't necessarily realize. And we think that by signaling that experience, by being tough and firm, you're also suggesting to other people that you are not going to be toyed with on the price either. So this signaling of experience seems really important both for negotiation and also in leadership when you're trying to mobilize others on behalf of some trajectory you want them to take. And I wonder if you might just muse for a bit. Is it easy or hard or somewhere in between for people to make that shift from being warm and friendly in the expectation it's going to deliver a result to what you're suggesting instead. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I mean, it's tough to teach these skills. We really, you know, it's, we think about these as uh, skills that you can develop over time. Uh, one of the places people actually might go to develop some of these skills is from online classes. In fact, Mike, you teach an online class. I do. Negotiation Mastery on HBS Online. Absolutely, and uh, maybe some of you at home have uh, taken this class before. Uh, if not, I highly recommend it because they, uh, in that class, one of your first examples is a distributive negotiation that's similar to ours. Yeah, let me say a word about that. I didn't realize we were going to go into this, but I appreciate it. I'm sure HBS Online appreciates your endorsement. We have people do a series of simulations in that course, mostly by text, but some are through Skype and people can see one another. You looked at um, texts of hundreds, maybe it was thousands of of negotiations uh, on this, analyzing the language on it. And that was a simple win-lose distributive negotiation. That's right. 
Uh, and we found the same result in that class among your students that we did uh, on Craigslist and in our lab. We found that people uh, who made first offers ended up with better deals overall, and that people who were tough and firm in making those offers got better deals than people who were warm and friendly. I wonder how much of this, though, is specific to, um, shall we say, remote interactions. Mm -hmm. um, that, that if somebody is brusque and firm, tough and firm, online, that's one thing. But if somebody is looking us in the eye and being tough, I might cave or I might retaliate. Do you have any sense or any feeling about whether this is universal or specific to that medium? I think there's a lot of ways to be tough and firm in person. It could maybe complement some of that language as well, and we'd love to study it. Um, but I also hear what you're saying, uh, that the effects of the same behavior might have different consequences in different settings, in different domains. When we think about long-term interactions, for example, in an organization or a long-term business partner, where we're meeting with them on a regular basis and we have to be accountable for the choices we make and build a, a positive, healthy relationship, those are cases where uh, a tough and firm approach is actually counterproductive, um, where the sh pursuit of short-term gains might actually sacrifice some uh, of the longer-term uh, relationship building. I, I want to go back to something you said. This is sort of technical and in the weeds. But you describe people who are more experienced in negotiating on eBay or uh, Craigslist, or Airbnb for that matter, over time became tougher. And I may be wrong, but I don't know that anybody sets out to say, I'm going to have an experiment. I'm going to try different, different approaches. But it may be that, and this is just completely speculation on my part, it may be that when they're tough and it doesn't burn them, they remember that at some level that may be even less than conscious, you know. So, and maybe also they feel more comfortable being tough because if it turns out that this deal blows up, there's somebody else selling the same thing. You could also imagine people wanting to be nice because they take a lot of value in being a warm and friendly person. Uh, you know, as a Canadian, I can certainly understand that. But it's important even, people can have uh, preferences over all kinds of things, but it's important to understand the consequences of the decisions. So if you want to be tough or if you want to be warm and friendly, uh, that's more important to you than cutting a, getting a deal on a, on a price, that's certainly up to you. But the, what's interesting to us is that people who don't have experience in these marketplaces uh, seem to have false beliefs about the effects of these choices. You know, in one of the classes that I teach over at the Kennedy School, we have a number of students in our class who, uh, this is a leadership class, who have been in an advocacy or protest role before. And they've come to the Kennedy School hoping for skills and frameworks that might allow them to go into roles of formal authority, where their voice and what they say to people is, is a little bit different than when it's coming from a protest standpoint. So I'm really intrigued by these findings about having to reshape what, how you approach people in order to, in, in a very deliberate and intentional way, engage them. If you're asking a community to make some tough choices, you can't sound too nice. You may have to be firm and decisive so that they understand what you're actually asking of them. I, I suppose, Kim, but I, I mean, as, 
intriguing and as surprising as this research is, I think for the moment, I at least want to say we've learned more about this domain, this kind of remote, single-issue sort of thing. But I can imagine a very different set of circumstances, the kind that you described, where, yes, you want to remind people there are tough choices and there's going to be some price to pay whatever you do. But on the other hand, it seems to me you're trying to communicate that we're in, in it together, um, and that requires some degree of expressed respect and empathy, which doesn't pay off if we're buying, and I guess I'll go on the market tonight, buying a, buying a new iPhone. Well, I think you're right, Mike and Mike, that uh, you know we're talking about two domains when probably there are many different shades that warm and friendly and tough and firm aren't the only ways to proceed. But I do think that there is something about being clear with people at times when you're asking them to do tough things that's important. And I think uh, there may be some interesting opportunities to think about how one can be empathically tough and firm. The, uh, I'm mindful of the clock here, and it has just raced by because this is fascinating. Mike, what didn't we talk about in terms of this particular study? What did we uh, miss? What would you add? Um, oh, I felt like we've gotten over so much. Uh, if people are interested, uh, uh, one thing that we have as part of our, uh, the research paper we wrote in, in HBR and in Management Science uh, we also uh, have open source software that anyone can use to study the warmth and friendliness of their own language. We can download it and uh, run it on your computer today if you like. So where do they find it? I'm so glad I asked the question. And, and, <laughs> and to the extent you're giving a URL, I would spell it out. You can go to my website, uh, mikeyeomans.info, for all your Mike Yeomans info. And Yeomans is Y-E-O-M-A-N-S. Is that correct? Yeah. And the package is called Politeness. So if you look for, if you're interested in uh, R as a programming language uh, and you're uh, looking for politeness, we're the people to ask to help you find it. Uh, and feel free to be in contact. I'd, I'd be interested to know if anyone uh, finds any interesting uses for it. Well, well that's an up, upbeat thing at the end. We start with nasty and tough and firm, and we end with politeness. Yeah. And Kim, an you were going to say? Yeah, and an invitation to try this out in different contexts. I may take you up on that, Mike, uh, with my students in the spring. <laughs> I'd love to help. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. This has been terrific. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Kim. Let's remind people about how they can chat with us and with their fellow listeners on our Negotiation 360 website. Well, it's not just the chat that they can have with us and other listeners, but there are other resources uh, on the site. Um, you can find my Negotiation 360 self-assessment and best practice app. There are links to online courses, and we're putting up articles that you and I have written together and maybe some others as well. So there's lots of stuff on agile negotiation and adaptive leadership. Much of it is free. We've even simplified the URL for podcast listeners. Here's how to find us. Just key in the letter N, as in negotiation, and the numbers 360.expert. That's N360.expert, and you'll find us. <laughs>